0: Time for school. Rock School with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. Okay, I understand there was Max's Kansas City, but see, that never comes up. You don't see kids walking around with Max's Kansas City t shirts on. Class is in. Rock School Radio Show. I'm for the campus of Southeastern Louisiana University. My name is Joe Burns. You are? Monique Gregoire. And over here to the right once again for show number two, you are? Ralph Wood. Ralph Wood is back to talk to us about punk rock. If you remember last week, we did Proto Punk. Well, Ralph did Proto Punk. If you'd like to hear the show, go to our website. It is kslu.org. Look for the little chalkboard that says Rock School. Click on it, and Proto Punk will be the
1: first in the episode's link. Ralph, what are we doing today? Today we're going to talk about the New York City and the L.A. scene that's kind of the traditional time frame for punk punk rock from 1975 to about 1980. Okay, so no Brits. It's not going to be Sex Pistols Clash. We're going to save that for next week. We're going to do the whole U.K. scene next, next week. Excellent. Now,
0: when you sent me this, um, when I think punk, and again, this is your dojo, this is what you talk about, you said... Uh, New York and L.A. I, I know New York. I get that. I get the CBGB. I didn't know there was such a huge punk scene in
1: L.A. Sure, there's a big punk punk scene in L.A. with bands like X, The Germs, Vandals, Lady of the Dead Kennedys, Black, Black Flag. Um, Excellent. Okay, well, let's scene. get into it. Where are we going? We're going to start out today with really what is kind of the, the first band to play at CBGB's. We're going to play a song by the band Television. We're going to play See C- No Evil. Mm-hmm. Television, um, I think when we play See C- No Evil, people are going to go, it doesn't sound like the Ramones. And that's because this whole concept of punk sounding like a fast Ramones song, that's a commodity that comes later. At the very beginning, what you had were a number of different bands. It didn't sound like anything on the radio. Uh, and then we're working kind of outside of traditional gen- genres. So... Um, Television's the first one up. Two wonderful guitar players, Tom, Tom Verlaine and Richard Lloyd, they were really the first band to play at CBGB's. But the album, "Marquee Moon, that, uh, that this is on, doesn't come out till 1977. They were one of the first bands, one of the last bands to get an album out. Um, they had a f- single that came out in 1975 that was on an independent label. Um, but their guitar work is just fantastic. Okay. Why weren't they signed up with everybody else? Just you know, didn't fit the mold, I guess. No, they got signed earlier. They they cut some demos. They cut some demos with Brian Eno. Um, that really didn't go anywhere for Island Records, and so it took them a while. I think they eventually ended up on Elektra, um, but it took a while to get that album out. It lots of critical acclaim was big in the UK, didn't sell very well. Okay, well, let's play him here.
0: This is Television. See No Evil on Roxy. School,
1: coming out of television. Ralph, where are we going next? Next, we're going to talk about one of my favorites. We're going to talk about Patti Smith and her song, Gloria. Okay. Now, the Gloria, Gloria was uh, off of the Horses album. It was released December 13th, 1975. It was the first album, like the first punk punk rock album to be released. From Patti Smith? Patti Smith. Patti uh, Smith. This is, yeah. See, now, So here's, you know, and here's the thing. Right. It's hard it's hard to look back at punk rock. I mean, you have these lenses on, like everything needs to sound like the Ramones,
0: right? That's where I'm. That's where I'm and coming from.
1: And that is as far from the truth where punk was, and really where it's at now. I mean, there are bands that sound like the Ramones, mm-hmm. but it was a wide palette that these artists painted with. So, Patty Smith, you know, she starts out, she's a, a artist, she's a poet. She and Lenny Kaye start doing uh, some some gigs. It's just him playing guitar, her reciting her poetry. Later on, they put together a band. Of course, Lenny Kay's writing for Rolling Stone, um, works at a record store. And so they put together this song, which is half of her poetry, and then a take on Gloria by, by them, Van Van Morrison's band. Right. And so, you know, at the time she's living with Robert M- Maplethorpe, who goes on to be a famous photographer. And really, with television and Patti Smith, art plays a large role in what they do. Um, it was sophisticated, it was thoughtful. They were well-read. Um, and so, Gloria by Patti Smith, I mean, this is this is one of the classics.
0: And this is all still part of the punk movement.
1: I mean, at the time, they weren't calling themselves punk, right. punk rock. Later on, that's a frame that gets put on, on top of them. I mean, there was a fanzine um, that was out in New York City that was called punk. And if mm-hmm. you get, I mean, you can buy the collection of that. If you look through that, all of these bands are part of that magazine. Huh. And so, um, you know, it's later on it gets turned into a commodity, but or a certain sound. But uh, I mean, she is she is the godmother of of, of punk rock. Patty deserves a lot of respect. Well, let's play her. It's Gloria.
0: It's Patty Smith, right here on Rock School. Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. Milner, part thieves wild cord on my sleeve, thick hard stone, my sins my own, they belong
1: to me, me, people say beware
0: Smith, uh, Gloria. Now, this next one I'm seeing, I mean, I've got the, the playlist what mm-hmm. you're doing here. This is Blondie. But, see, when I play Blondie on the show, I mean, you're going way back, the one you're going to play here. When sure. I play Blondie, I mean, I'm thinking Rapture, I'm thinking songs that are more her hit time when she wasn't, I guess you wouldn't call her punk, you'd call her new wave, uh, skinny ties, flashy jackets, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I mean, why, why are you playing her so far back? I mean,
1: well, because Blondie kind of predates the whole new wave thing. I mean, that's something that Seymour Stein would take with Sire Records as a way to kind of frame this group of people and make them a little bit more palatable. But Ex-Offender by, by Blondie comes out in 1976. It's her first single. Um, and it's got a real girl group sound to it. Mm-hmm. There's a little brill Brill building in it. Uh, it's a pop song. And I think when you, you do some research about Ron, Blondie, you always realize – they were they wanted to be a pop band. So what so what punk or this movement does is they take kind of pop sensibilities and they dirty them up. You know, later we'll play the Ramones, the Rones dirty it up by speeding it up and adding distortion. Uh, television dirties it up by these intricate guitar lines, a kind of off-key vocals. Blondie, it's pop as it can be until you start to look at the content of the song. And the content of this song is about a police officer and a prostitute yeah. and about a, a relationship – between the two yeah um so i mean it's they were part of that whole cbgb's movement, bands that were playing in that club at the time we're
0: still in the first sort of run of the the bands that came into CBGB. right yeah, yeah. it's blondie it's ex-offender on rock school i saw you standing on the corner you look so big and fine i really wanted to go out with you so when you smiled i
1: laid my heart on the line
0: Coming into the first break here on Rock School, so we won't be playing a song out of this. So let me get back to a question I talked about in the first show, the one we did last week, where you're talking proto-punk. I brought up CBGBs, and Mm -hmm. you're bringing up CBGBs again because these bands you're talking about are the first wave of those coming through CBGBs. Okay, I understand there was Max's Kansas City, but see, that never comes up. You don't see kids walking around with Max's Kansas City t-shirts on. CBGB seemed to be the, the epicenter of this. I mean, this was where the, the star was placed. Why
1: CBGBs? You know, CBGBs was one of those clubs that early on, they had a hard time getting bands to come into play. And so it kind of fell to bands that would come up, um, needed a place to play. Hilly provided them a place to play, television being the first of those bands. And then they would start, it started to build a following, a small one. But it it was a place that bands didn't have to sound alike. Bands didn't have to sound like what was on the radio. And so you could come in, do your thing, and not worry about sounding like the next band up that's playing before you or after you. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I mean, it it gave a lot of latitude, a lot of space for creativity, and for a, a scene to start to come together.
0: Do you think Hilly Crystal was a fan of this music, or was he just a businessman that understood, get out of the way and let it happen, and the money will follow?
1: I mean, I think it was probably a little bit of both. There were yeah. probably bands he enjoyed. I mean, he would go on to manage the Dead Boys at some point. Oh, okay. Um, you know, so, I mean, I think he had an interest in – it was a place he let musicians create art. Um, and it was a chance that he might be able to make some money off of it.
0: Okay. Well, coming out of the break, we're going to play. If I'm not mistaken, three of a band. You, I've seen you wear this t-shirt yeah. more <laughs> times than, and I've seen your daughter in this t-shirt yep, as yep. well. So we'll come out with one of his favorite bands. In Fact, we'll be back in a minute. Right here in Rock School. Coming out of the break, okay, I didn't say the band. So uh, who's the band? Who are we going to play a lot of?
1: We're going to play the Ramones. We're okay,
0: gonna... I get it. The Ramones. This is, this is the pinnacle of punk to a lot of people. This is the band that even the poser of posers wears T-shirts. Why, why right. the Ramones? Why does the world
1: point to the
0: Ramones?
1: You know, I think, I think the world points to the Ramones because when it, when it becomes a commodity, it's loud and fast – um, black leather and the Ramones had all of that from the very beginning um, you know it's up until you know the Ramones that there was a lot of variation but once, it, but once people start to think about punk rock what it is by the time it gets to the Sex Pistols, the Dead Kennedys, Black Flag later everybody at least initially comes out full tilt guns, guns blazing as fast as you can play and that was one of the things that made the Ramones sound like the Ramones is that yeah. they played fast
0: were they the first to do it? I mean, or can you back
1: it up from the Ramones and see who their influence? I mean, there are were. lots of there are lots of songs that clip along. You know, I think the thing about the Ramones is that one, it's fast; two, there's a strong pop sensibility to it that is just fuzzed up and distorted. I mean, my daughter. I mean, if she gets two bands confused, it's the Ramones and the Beatles. Now, hmm. the Ramones That's and funny. the Beatles because they both are pop bands and they're both melodic. One is just faster and noisier than the other. Uh, and so, you know, that's why something like Sheen is a punk rocker. Yeah. It's a pop song. You know, they had a lot of songs that were boy-girl songs. They also had songs like Now I Wanna Sniff Some Glue. You know? So <laughs> but, you know, there the, I mean if you have a trademark of punk punk rock, it ends up being the Ramones. And the sad thing is that sometimes the legend and the the frame that gets put around them really outweighs the beauty of this band and how great a band this was okay well tell us about it i mean you want to play one then let's come back well we're going to play like a three four of the Ramones right right, right.
0: so let's play one and then come back and i want you to i want you to expand upon that statement the beauty of this band because the last word i think of when i think of the Ramones the Ramones <laughs> is beauty okay i mean because and i know it's it's the group that just simply resonates inside of you so i want to hear what what is the beauty of the Ramones so what are we playing first here
1: you know we're going to do three songs it's okay. from the first three tracks from their live album it's alive it was recorded new year's eve in 1977 in london and so it's rockaway beach teenage lobotomy and blitzkrieg bop okay and, and they just fire off the you get to hear a Dee, Dee do his his kind of trademark one two three four between the songs um and it was their trip to london that kind of set set fire to the uk punk punk rock scene anybody who was anybody Sex pistols clash. Buzzcocks were all at that first Ramones show at the Roundhouse.
0: Right. I've heard that. I mean, it was the Ramones that kicked it all off. That's why they're all yeah. f- sound fast over there. There you go. Sounds like this on Rack School. Okay, coming out of three from the Ramones, live from that's from the
1: Roundhouse. That's the famous concert. Well, that's from the Rainbow Theater. That's, oh, that's from Rainbow the Theater. famous concert. Yeah, but that's okay. that's that's the live album by the Ramones.
0: All right, give it to me, 20, 30
1: seconds. What's the beauty of the Ramones? Why do they move you so much? The Ramones. I mean, they're one of my favorite bands. They're not my only favorite band, but yeah. you know, the beauty of the Ramones is that concise song songwriting, um, songs that resonated. You know, the the songs were written for outsiders. You know, it, it wasn't meant for people listening to to pop radio. Although it was a pop context for the, for the song, so it was something that you could latch on to, but still not be part of the group. And that's one of the reasons I love the Ramones. Um, the drumming is fantastic. If you listen to what Tommy does, nothing fancy, but he was the first one to play that fast. Tight hi-hat, loose hi-hat, right on the tom, right on the bell of the cymbal. I mean, it's it's almost kind of a textbook of what Ringo used to do. Yeah, um, And so they always were a band that appealed to it me. Just, everything you were wrapped up in four guys. I mean... Everything uh, that appealed to you. I mean, I, it appealed to me because it wasn't like anything else at the time I was hearing. All right. Take us to Richard Hale. All right. So Richard Hale's up next. We're going to play Blank, Blank Generation. I mean, if there's anybody who has bounced around the New York bands. It really was Richard Hell. He was a member of television at one time. Even before television, he played in the Neon Boys, um, which had Tom, Tom Verlaine in it. He went on to play in the Heartbreakers with Johnny Thunder. Right. And then, of course, he does his own album, Richard Hell, blank, blank generation. And so this whole fashion that comes along with punk punk rock, Malcolm McLaren patterned what he sold in the sex shop in, in London. Based on the way that Richard Hell look, if anybody is yep. like the first person to do the look, it's Richard Hell, right? Spiked hair, uh, safety pins, torn, torn clothes. You now, know, did he do that as a fashion statement, or were his clothes literally torn and he needed safety pins? I think it was more of a fashion statement. <laughs> oh, okay, you know, it was like something different. You know, and that's the you know the whole thing about punk rock. You know, I always think of that rather than it having a certain sound, punk rock is about. Attitude, mm-hmm. attitude. You know, it's outside the mainstream. At least that point, it was. And it's attitude more than a cohesive sound that everything sounds like. Yeah, it's, I'm finding that
0: out because you're throwing in Blondie, you're throwing in Patti Smith, you know, even television. You're, you're like you said last week. You're coloring outside the lines of my thoughts of mm-hmm. of, of punk rock. So and and Richard Hell fits for me, mm-hmm. but you know the way everyone else dressed and such. Yeah, you're. I mean, this is this is really interesting. So Richard Hell, you want to play him? Let's play him. Blank Generation on Rock School. Take it or leave it each time. Well, I belong to the generation, but I can take it or leave it each time. Blank generation from Richard Hell. Where are we going now? We still in we're still in New York. Are we is left the, New
1: York? This is the last of the New York songs. Okay. So we're going to play a song by the dead the Dead Boys. Okay. I'm going to play Sonic Reducer, which is, is one of the most famous punk rock songs of all, all time. Okay. And really the Dead Boys are kind of a second wave uh, New York City punk punk band. All right, let me stop you there. When somebody says
0: second wave, first wave, third wave, what what happened? What st- started the second
1: wave what stopped the first wave you know what i don't know that anything stopped the first wave but it's more of when the bands got the town and started playing you know i always think of first wave punk patty smith television the ramones blondie we didn't play anything by the talking heads the talking heads are in there the dead boys are a band from Cleve- cleveland you know they oh, right. came from rocket from the tomb and we talked about them last week well that band splits and some of those guys go on to be para ubu And a couple of the other guys go on to form the Dead Boys. Stiv Bader's wasn't in Rocket from the Tomb, but Cheetah Chrome was. And so Sonic Reducer is actually a Rocket from the Tomb song Mm -hmm. um, that they ended up recording. And so this album comes out, you know... Around seventy seven, seventy eight. So that's what kind of makes it kind of the second wave. You know, it's it's after the Ramones, it's after Patti Smith, it's after all of these other bands.
0: Okay, the introductory um, names have already hit the scene. Right, okay. right,
1: and they're on, and some of them got signed to major labels. I mean, one of the things that's kind of unique about the punk scene then is almost everybody after their initial single ends up on a major label, Sire. Um, Electra, some of those other labels. So, right. one of the things I want to hit about uh, the Dead Boys, though, is Genia Ra- Raven. You know, Genia Raven produces the album, which is you know seventy-seven, seventy-eight. A woman producer producing a punk rock band. Hmm. Um, you know, in, in the hall of famous women rock and rollers, she doesn't get her due, uh, but she creates just a masterful punk punk rock album. And, and she's so, the producer of this song. You're about to play. She is the producer of Sonic Reducer. She produced the album Young, Young Loud and Young Loud and Snotty by the Dead Boys,
0: <laughs> which, which contains uh, this one, Sonic Reducer, which we're going to play. Sounds like this on Rock School. Come into the second break here on Rock School. Now, because this is a radio show, and because I have fifty nine minutes on the mark to finish it up, there are some bands we don't get to play, and you wanted to give them some due.
1: We didn't get to play anything by the Talking Heads. Of course, the Talking Heads are are part of that first wave of punk bands, CBGB bands. We didn't play anything by Suicide. Um, if you really want to see how far outside the box people were making music back in 75 in New York, you have to check out the Suicide album. It's a singer and a keyboard player. Uh, doesn't sound like anything like the Ramones, but definitely worth your time in checking out. We didn't play anything by Johnny Thunder's band, The Heartbreakers, which is kind of a classic New York City punk band. So there's a lot more that we didn't have a chance to get to. There's a band called Milk and Cookies, which is almost sounds like the Raspberries. That played at CBGs. And so there was a a very diverse group of people that came through the door to that club and played in New York in that time that just didn't sound like, yes, Kansas, everything else that was being played on FM radio at the time.
0: And they need to have
1: their due. So make a
0: point of hitting at least YouTube – Check and them out. A no, milk and cookies, really? Milk and
1: cookies, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's a great pop band.
0: Okay, during the break, we're going to get on an airplane. We're going to go cross country. We come back out in L.A., yes? That's it. Back in a minute on Rock School. Okay, coming out of the break, we've moved to the opposite side of the country. We're in
1: Los Angeles. Tell me about the scene. Talk a little bit about the Los Angeles scene. Um, You know, it follows the New York scene a little bit, but they had bands like The Germs, The Vandals. Uh, We're going to play something by X in a little bit. The Avengers were out of San Francisco. Um, The L.A. scene becomes really important about 1980, 1981, when we start to get in the whole post-punk thing and SST records. Um, And it's also kind of the area where hardcore starts to take off. But early on, glam-influenced Iggy Pop, you know, played a big role in some of the sounds coming out of L.A. Jim Morrison, you know, if they didn't sound like The Doors, he at least had an influence on, mm-hmm. oh. on people. David Bowie, uh, if you saw the movie The Runaways, there's a scene where they're, you know, they're in a club there and David Bowie's supposed to be in the club. That whole glam scene right. plays a piece of that as well. So it was the New York scene that caused the L.A. scene? I mean, I don't know if it caused it, but yeah. it, it happens, you know, they kind of happened together. Okay. Um, that people were looking for something that didn't fit the mold of what was on the radio. Okay. So who are we playing? First up is going to be the Germs. We're going to play Lexicon Devil by the Germs. You know, the Germs were a California punk band from 1977 and 1980. Um, Darby Crash, their lead singer, one of the first casualties of a drug overdose. What's interesting, and I think, you know, as we start to make this leap to was, was Nirvana a punk band, Pat Smear plays in the Germs. And later on, Pat Smear goes on. Right. Of course, he plays in the Foo Fighters now, played on Nirvana, Unplugged, toured with Nirvana. So we're going to play um, Le- Lexicon Devil. The only album the Germs put out is produced by another strong rock and roll woman, and Joan Jett produces the album. Really? Joan in '79. There again, you know, we have these women who are producing like classic punk rock albums that probably don't get their due of their importance as far as producers. Hmm. Um, a really great film to watch about uh, the LA punk rock scene is "Is a Decline of Western Civilization." If you've never seen it, certainly worth your time to check it out.
0: I'll buy that. I agree with you completely. Lexicon Devil, Germs on Rock School. Coming out of the germs, where are we going next? We're in Los Angeles. Who are yeah, you?
1: Next, we're going to travel up to San Francisco and play a song by by the Avengers. Lead singer Pep Penelope Houston, one of the first female-led punk punk rock bands. Um, they existed a short period of time, open for just about everybody. I, I believe they were the last band that opened for the the Sex Pistols when they played their last show in California,
0: where he sits on the stage and says, "Yeah, have you ever yeah. feel like you've been cheated or something?" Yeah, punk is open to women seemingly far more than rock and roll is. That's what I'm hearing.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, it, yeah, color outside the lines. Sure, women can a woman can lead um, a punk rock band and can produce play, and produce yeah. or play guitar in it or anything. Play 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 drums in it. That's great. So, "American and Me" by the Avengers. It's a great punk rock song. Sounds like this on Rock School.
0: Okay, last break here on Rock School. So it's our last day here in Los Angeles. Now, next week, just going to pitch it real quick. Those of you who are like me, who... For you, punk means the Sex Pistols, it means the Ramones, it means the Clash. The clash. Like me. Right. Next week is your week. We go to Britain and we'll have two other people in the studio with us, so we'll leave that for next week. Give us the remainder of
1: Los Angeles. All right, we got two more songs we're going to play. The first one is Californ- California Ubu Buralis by The Dead Kennedys. And, uh, of course, the Dead, Dead Kennedys, one of the first hardcore bands to come out of the California scene in 1978. This was – they had a single. This was the first single. Um, what's, what's interesting about this, this song is everybody's like, you know, punk rock against Republicans, conservatism. This song is actually about Jerry Brown when he was governor back in the 70s. He's a Democrat. And they take him to task oh. for being a Zen fascist. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, jell biafra will later run to be uh, the mayor of San Francisco. Um, so, it's a great song. And then, finally, we're going to wrap up with what I like to call kind of Black Flag oh. Uh-huh. in that this is Black Flag with their first singer, Keith Keith Morris, doing a Nervous Breakdown. Um, Black Flag, Greg Ginn, S- SST Records. When we get to the fourth show, where we talk about post post-punk right. and what leads up into Nirvana, they play a huge, huge, huge role in that. So... Play this song, and then go dig out your CDs and listen to the beginning of Breed by Nirvana, and you just might hear a couple things that are similar. But this isn't Rollins. This isn't Rollins. No, Henry no. joins the band in 81. Oh, okay. Um, and so we'll, and we'll get to the Henry years uh, when we come back for the fourth show. But, but this is Keith Morris. He, he goes on uh, to start a band called The Circle Jerks. Which ends up being a famous punk, oh. punk band, too.
0: Fantastic. That wraps it up. So we'll finish up with Dead Kennedys, followed immediately by Black Flag. I'm Joe Burns. Monique Gregoire. And you are? Ralph Wood. And we'll see you all next week as we travel to Great Britain. And a couple of friends, by the way, who lived there. So you'll get a whole lot of firsthand information. So that wraps it up. Class is dismissed.